Hello and welcome to episode 236 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Today on the podcast, we're crashing a wedding and kidnapping the bride in our review of the action comedy Polite Society. But first, how are you, Scott? I'm doing pretty well. I, uh, I really enjoyed watching this movie. It happened to one of my buddies a couple years ago. No, I'm kidding. Aaron. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm good, Scott. Excited for our weekend ahead of you. You know, it's almost like an annual tradition at this point. I feel like coming up around sometime around your birthday, mm-hmm. we catch some sort of baseball game, we eat some good New York food, we see friends. No notes. You know, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it's gonna be a great weekend. Uh, yeah, I have. I'll be there tomorrow night, starting tomorrow night for a couple days, and then leading right up to my birthday at the start of next week. So it's gonna be a fun. Next couple of days, I'm I'm excited. I always enjoy going to to New York. See you up there, um, and uh, and yeah, of course, we're making up for the fact that our Oscars trip unfortunately had to be canceled. Um, yeah, I blew this it. year. I blew this it. wasn't actually the plan, but it ended up working out because yeah, some friends are going to be in town, and it was my birthday weekend. It was the same time that I came last year, so maybe maybe we have inadvertently created a tradition at tradition at this point i don't know what the definition of a tradition is but uh, two times in a row i think it's pretty much we have to do it forever now so it yeah sucks, I think it sucks we're for you in. if you want to ever do something different on your birthday but sorry you can't you have to come to new york i think it's a binding contract even if like at some point in the future you don't live in new york we're still just gonna have to to meet in new york yeah. but yeah fine uh any excuse uh, i will take it but yeah um All right, Scott, as mentioned, we can get into our review. Our film today is the comedy Polite Society, directed by Nita Manzor. Polite Society is set in London and centers on sisters Rhea and Lena Khan. Younger sister Rhea, played by Priya Kansara, is a teenager with dreams of being a stuntwoman. She often enlists the help of her older sister, Lena, played by Ritu Arya, while making her DIY martial arts training videos for YouTube. Lena has recently dropped out of art school and is feeling stuck in a rut until she meets playboy and Dr. Salim, played by Akshay Khanna, when Salim's mother Rahila, played by Nimra Bucha, sets both of them up. The two fall in love and are soon engaged to be married, much to the chagrin of Rhea, who believes something is amiss with her sister's new fiancé, or perhaps just doesn't want to lose her sister to someone else. When the wedding date is set, Rhea enlists her friends to pull off a daring heist, which involves, in Rhea's eyes, rescuing Lena from her marriage to an unsuitable partner, even if no one else seems to see it quite the same way. Scott, polite society blends action, romance, comedy, and more in an often frenetic and high-spirited mashup. But did its spectacle have you saying, I do, or wishing it had been left at the altar? I think somewhere in the middle. I, I really did enjoy the ride on this film. So I guess in the moment, I guess I was saying, you know, I, I do. I, I vibed with the sort of, I don't know, almost like childish fun, uh, high school era fun that was being had in in the film. But, you know, I was thinking about this a couple of days later, but, you know, I'm not I'm not going to remember this movie at the end of the year. I'll tell you that much. Probably won't even remember the movie next next month. But frankly, I didn't really I don't really see that as a problem. I don't I see enough movies where I don't need to remember all of them a year later. So I enjoyed the experience. I thought the performances were fun. I thought that the the tone and the vibe were just about right. And there's definitely a lot of things that could have been 
uh, done better in the, in the film and, and maybe some parts that could have been refined and, and honed a little bit. Thinking maybe the, the script especially, but it, it wasn't operating at a level. Like I felt like it was in on the joke uh, of itself most of the time. And I think that it's just kind of quirky and kooky enough in its sort of martial arts ness uh, and, and where it goes with some of the, you know, more, I don't know, cons- like tinfoil hat conspiracy elements of, of some of the stuff that's happening in the plot that it just all felt kind of fun. It felt like something that I'd find on, on Netflix, to be honest, it feels like kind of like a Netflix movie, but one that I happen to enjoy as opposed to one that made me want to turn it off 20 minutes in. But yeah, overall fun. I will say one quick thing before I throw it over to you. Ritu Arya, I was like scratching my head. I'm like, I've seen her somewhere before. And I looked her up afterwards and like, oh, yes, uh, she is like one of the main supporting roles in Red Notice. That's where I've seen her before. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Well, another reason it probably felt like a Netflix movie then, I guess. But... Yeah, that, that that part of the joke was not lost on me indeed. Yeah, I thought that was kind of yeah. funny. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, Scott, you know, we were tossing around a couple of things, you know, a couple of ideas as far as movies this week, because it's not a big release week. I mean, you know, we had Guardians of the Galaxy last week, so there's still some sort of hangover from that. And so there's not really anything big coming out this weekend. Um, And so we were throwing around a couple of sort of indie movies and stuff. And frankly, hadn't heard much about this movie. I saw that it was playing at my indie theater, but didn't really look twice at it, didn't really know much of what it was about. Then, you know, again, we were trying to decide. Um, and I was looking into all of our sort of options there. And I kind of talked myself into this one. You know, I thought it looks like it's going to be kind of a fun hybrid sort of thing. It's not going to take itself too seriously, which can be a good thing, can be a bad thing sometimes. Um, and, you know, I'm by no means an expert on martial arts movies, but I have seen a few and I've really you know, enjoyed them for the most part in the over the top action and, um, you know, was hopeful that this was going to strike the right tone, but I don't know, Scott, I, I wanted more from this experience. I, I definitely agree with, um, your take that this movie is forgettable. I mean, it's only been four days since I saw it and I'm already struggling a little bit here, um, in the early part of this review to remember, um, certain details about the film. Um, it just like I could sense in the moment almost that I was like already forgetting the movie, which is never usually a good thing. Um, it just feels kind until the third act, until there's something that happens in the third act, which you won't spoil yet. But um, until a certain reveal happens, it feels very generic. It feels very sort of I don't know if sanitized is quite the right word, because I mean, like, you know, there's a little bit of crude humor, I guess, in there. But it does feel like a, you know, you mentioned, I think childish is a good word for it, even though it does have that humor in there. It, I mean, I said to you, it felt like a Disney Channel original movie at, at times. Um, everything is painted with pretty broad strokes, I think, in, in terms of the relationship between the sisters, the romance happens really quickly, um, sort of the single-mindedness of Rhea in trying to break up her sister's romance. Um, and frankly, Scott, I wasn't a huge fan of her as a character for a lot of this movie. Like, obviously, it's a movie, and we know that, yeah, in the end, there probably is going to be something else amiss. But the links that she's going to to 
sabotage her her sister's relationship without really having much evidence as to what is going on because she doesn't really get a whole lot of evidence that something is amiss until late late in the movie um it didn't necessarily endear me to the character and sure it's okay to not have a fully likable protagonist but this doesn't strike me as the movie that is trying to go for some sort of more complex commentary there with the the main character um i also think they don't really lean into the stunt woman thing like it, it she set up as like this is her dream and everything and she has this one stunt woman who's a real person um that she idolizes she's making these videos and then we get into the main plot of the movie and it feels like that's just kind of put on the sidelines except for you know there's this one sort of move that she's trying to do throughout the movie um that you know obviously there's a little bit of a payoff there but um i just didn't think they developed that particular thread of the character very well it, it was kind of just there in the beginning and then you know the movie decided it was going to be about something else really ultimately and i don't know that they they you know that it they, they it came together in a cohesive way i guess is what i'm saying like this this part of the character with the plot of the movie and everything else that was going on there um other than like you know she has to again use some fighting skills i guess that a couple parts in this this movie i think the action has a few fun moments but um it just doesn't like sort of take your breath away in the way that a good martial arts movie can you know again maybe it's not quite shooting for that it's shooting for something you know more comedic in nature but i just didn't laugh very much not a surprise i'm sure but um there wasn't too too much that i found humorous in this film again it feels like there's some sort of sitcom setups and stuff at times i did appreciate sort of what happens in the third act and it takes a twist that you're not really expecting um with one particular plot detail but it was kind of too late to rescue the movie at at that point for me like i give them mild points for that but um you know ultimately the experience still felt very disposable for me and this is going to be one of those movies absolutely that we look at at the end of the year and it's like oh right that was that was something we saw um and you know like you say it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a movie like that like not every movie has to just implant itself in your your brain forever but um it, this just kind of felt like a nothing burger in the end unfortunately mm. yeah i definitely agree with some of the stuff you were saying earlier on I, I think you're way off about the martial arts stuff i think that that's like pretty spread throughout the whole movie to be honest like they're constantly going back and sending emails and getting updates and she's changing her mind as her tensions with her sister grows and her yeah sister there is that sort of berates her and tells her she shouldn't even bother trying and so she quits and then still gets the email or whatever from the person so i i think that's that's sprinkled pretty well throughout and also i'm just i'm kind of confused like what more you'd want from it overall it just like you didn't to go feel to like it it didn't feel like it was cohesive i guess with the main plot of the movie like she wants to be a stunt woman but how does that have to do anything really with her like breaking up her sister's marriage and you know the the stuff that happens there like it just feels I mean, like I think it has to do with the, I mean, character you get all detail the... that they didn't the character detail that they didn't really figure out how to use well in the movie that they wanted to make. 
Interesting. Yeah, I just I, I definitely disagree with that. I think I think the whole point of the relationship with the sister is she views this person who she can lean on as a sort of muse as someone she went to art school, she helps her with her videos, and she's losing that to something very quickly and very abrupt. I think as you pointed out, it definitely feels almost too quick and too abrupt at times. But I think that's a kind of a rock that that Rhea is is losing. And so her reaction is to is to fight back is does that feel extreme at times? Yeah, I definitely agree with that that assessment of it. But she's also like a, I don't know, she's like a 14 or 15 year old or whatever. Like that, you know, you make irrational, immature decisions. I think it could be better characterized. So I'm, I'm not going all the way to, to the mat to, de to defend it. But I definitely think the martial arts stuff and the stunt and the stuntman stuff is like definitely in there. Um, sprinkled pretty healthily throughout the whole movie. I did find the third act twist. I guess that you didn't you you described it. May, I, I, maybe we're not talking about the same thing too. I, I always, I mean, like the the film goes. I feel like goes a long way to like make you really feel like there is something going on with the with the mom in particular. Yeah, the, again, it's a movie, like so you know there's not there's going to be more than meets the eye. It's not going to just be like, oh, Rhea discovers. At least not in this type of movie. It's not going to be like, oh, Rhea discovers that she was wrong and she just needs to let her sister be happy and they need mm -hmm. to just, you know, they can be happy, but be apart. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I, I guess my, my go back to, again, I don't even necessarily disagree with a lot of the stuff you were saying in the, in the first part of your review, like better characterization, maybe different, different elements could have been worked in better. Some things don't always make perfect sense. It, it skips beat to beat, things like that. I, I'd agree with that, but I, I guess I just felt like there was enough fun in the film is Rhea a super likable character no is it making some deeper commentary on that I don't think so but at the same time I think the film knows that that it's, it's like she's not a likable character like I think I feel like the film is in on that like the way she treats the people closest to her not just her sister right her friends too I think it, it sort of is painting a picture of someone who has sort of lost her way a little bit that just because they're knowledgeable of that choice doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's a good decision yeah. or it makes for a good film because again to me it's so like broad and it's just such a clear like good versus evil type of movie or whatever like i, I mean what would you have find? like, like the, the good there at the heart of the yeah. character and, and it, we eventually get there but like it it's just it's a little yeah it could have been better executed i yeah i don't know it's i guess i just didn't really care about those things and you know th this is maybe at the end of the year, talking about movies, I forget, like, I feel like I, I forget half the movies we talk about in this podcast by the end of the year. And, and this is not going to be the biggest offender. This let me put it this way. This feels like a movie that we would have watched during the COVID year to like fill a week, Scott. <laughs> and it was like, well, there you go. That well, was, congrats. We're, we're well, watching we this did, in a non-COVID year to fill a week. We so. did watch a movie. Yeah, <laughs> we did watch a movie. So this is um, where we're at. So which is not really a ringing endorsement. But yeah, I mean. Netflix. I mean, I mean, it's an it's an endorsement for me. I, you're way. I think it's crazy how negative you are on, on this film personally, but it, this is a good time. I, I'm not negative. I mean, I, it's just it just doesn't. It's just nothing to me. Again, like it's just it's completely forgivable. It didn't make me angry or upset or sad or anything like that. It was just like in one uh -huh. ear and out the other. And I was hoping for more. I was hoping to have the experience that you have because yeah. I I can enjoy a fun you know throwaway romp sometimes. But this yeah. just felt really like there was, again, it was very Netflixy. It was very sort of generic and um, 
How many movies have you have you seen, Scott, where she, where someone fills a bunch of condoms with lotion to tr- and try to plant it in their sister's fiance's room to to get him in trouble? I mean, that's that's not generic. not the that's type funny. of humor that really really gets me going. But um, fair enough. But yeah, Scott, we can talk about the performances. Um, you know, you mentioned there uh, Ritu Arya showing up in in Red Notice, but I don't really think that most people here are. Um, going to be recognized by general audiences. I think Priya Kansara, from what I could see, was in Bridgerton some. Maybe I was going to say, I think, was... I think that makes her more recognizable than most of the people we talk about sure, on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably true. That's just a world I'm not woke to at all. But um, Priya both. Kansara plays Rhea, and Ritu Arya plays um, her sister, Lena. They are definitely the two main characters in this film. Yeah. Um, what did you think about their performances? I thought I really liked Ritu Arya's performance. I'm not going to lie. I did feel like it could. I, I guess I'll back up and say neither of these are super memorable performances, but I did. En, I did enjoy Ritu Arya maybe a little bit more than Priya Kinsar for some of the reasons that I think you were laying out in the characterization. There's something about the immaturity and bad decision making of Rhea that ultimately is not does not make her the most endearing character that you'll come across in this sort of genre. I don't think that's necessarily a bad performance, but it's probably a mix of, of the two, the characterization and the performance that doesn't quite win me over on that role. But Ritu Arya is, is someone who I think I was charmed by. I think she sort of goes away um, almost necessarily in the middle third of the film because she is sort of being quite literally taken off of the screen by this love interest, Salim, who is wooing her. And so we get fewer and fewer scenes with her more time with with Rhea trying to plot to win her sister back or expose Salim for some underhandedness that's unclear. And I feel like that that was the point in the film. And I wonder if you would agree with this, Scott, where it feels like there's the real sort of, there's almost like a vacancy that develops. Like there's a lot of shenanigans that are happening. But to me, I felt like the, pre, like Ritu Arya's presence really fills out some of the some of the holes in the film in the first and the third acts. And, and so I think I'd probably point to her performance as being the superior one. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, related to that comment, something that maybe I should have said my general impressions, because it is, if I am negative on one element of the movie, it's definitely the friend characters that, um, that sure. Rhea has. Um, again, we talk Clara about the movie Alba. being ge- generic. Sure. Th- those were their names. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Generic, broad, so. and Disney Channel original movie. I mean, these are the tropiest sort of sidekick characters. Have no sort of characteristics of their own, right? They like only exist to crack what you know the the movie would believe to be funny one-liners and to assist the main character, like to you know help advance the plot. Like, I got to say, one of the things that I did discover watching this movie is that I I do find it absolutely hilarious when just people put on like super British people say like super British slang, like funny to me every time. One of the, one of the one of the friend characters specifically, I think it was. Oh, uh, I think it Calling was her a slag. Is that what is that what got you? Stuff, stuff like that, for sure. I think it was Alba. I'm not 100 percent sure which one it was. I don't remember which one was which, but doesn't I really got a kick out of her accent and the slang she was using i enjoyed it is it is it based maybe 
Yeah, um, those characters did nothing. So when you're talking about, you know, we're kind of being left with Rhea uh, and them getting up to their shenanigans and whatnot. Yeah, there, a lot gets sucked out of the movie there. I, you know, I, I agree. I think the character of Lena is handled okay, generally. Uh, you know, because, again, Rhea is our protagonist and there could naturally be some, oh, you know, she's not really being considerate towards her sister. Um, she's <laughs> just nice running lady. off going to Singapore, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think there's a little bit more empathy there for the character, which I appreciated. Like, I don't think it sure. views her as some horrible person that um, is neglecting her sister. It's like, no, hey, like, this is what, at, th at that point, this is what I feel like is going to, to make me happy. And I have to, you know, make a decision about where I want my life to go. I can't just sit around here and help Rhea make these, these videos um and i'm gonna you know make that decision for myself right because Rhea and the mom the mom character and the dad are like they're like all trying to push her in one in a in a certain direction throughout this movie it seems like um mm -hmm. so you you do sort of identify with her wanting to do something for herself and make you know her own decisions about where her life is going to go um and so that you know that is one thing i i guess i somewhat appreciated because an even broader portrayal of the character, right, would have just been that she's the evil older sister. She's the mean older sister who, um, you know, is just trying to leave her sister and neglecting her at every turn. But I don't feel like that's what they did with it. Yeah, I think I think she's sort of just like a a meandering young adult type figure who feels a bit rudderless, probably after the I don't think it's a spoiler to say that she's like dropped out of art school and doesn't really quite know what to do with her life. And I, I felt like that, that characterization was pretty effective. And, and again, so I think there's a lot of developments very quickly with this character and especially in terms of the relationship with Salim, but I think you can kind of understand grasping for anything that feels like a very grounded direction for your life. Um, maybe, maybe it's not something that, that you or I would do personally in that situa situation, but the empathy there that you're talking about, I think that resonates. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, it's again, there's not a whole lot that stands out from the movie for me, but um, that is one thing I think that they they handled better than than they could have. Any supporting performances you want to highlight, Scott? You know, the only other real characters we mentioned, the friends we mentioned, of course, um, Salim who's played by Akshay Khanna and um, then Rahila, his mother, played by Nimra Bucha, who is really sort of the villain of the movie, I guess. Um, and then also, um, Rhea and Lena's parents, um, have some role. I don't have the actors' names, um, close by for them, but um, Shobu Kapoor is, is the mother, Fatima. I don't know about the dad. Any, anyone stand out here, Scott? Yeah, I think if there's one that stands out, the only one besides like the comedic friends that, that we've already sort of referenced, I think it is Rahila, it is Nimrabusha. She's someone, another person who I thought I'd seen in, in something before. And I thought that she was maybe the voice of a character in Arcane. And then I realized pretty quickly that's someone much more famous than her. But she was in Miss Marvel. Um, I think she was one of the leaders of like the, like not the, it's it, that, that, that series is complicated, but, but she's essentially like one, one of the, um, you know, soft villains of, of the show. And that's where I had seen her before. So I 
I did like this character does stand out mainly because there's obviously something going on with this mom character. And I think that's pretty clear from early on. She seems a bit. Um, well, I think I think maybe the uh, realistic interpretation of the character is like a bit of a helicopter mom. She's like immigrant parent who is trying to guide the direction of their children's lives because they want very specific things for them. But obviously this character goes is taken in, in a more extreme direction by the end of the film. And that's a fun development. Do, do I think this character maybe like overplayed a bit at times? I, I do think so. I feel like they do tell her to ham it up a little bit in, in certain moments that it doesn't necessarily work perfectly for me, but I think she was sort of a, a game participant in the sort of the energy that this movie brings, which I think is something that I was struggling to put into words a bit earlier, but I feel like I, I one of the things that I enjoyed about this movie is like, I just feel like it brings a really fun, if not at times silly energy to the whole affair. And I think sort of the, the campiness at times of, of Rahila as a character, especially in the second half of the film, I think it sort of fits that tone pretty well and, and kept things sort of light. And although bad things are happening on the screen, not, not feeling so terrible at the same time, just because I think it's kind of hard to take the plot twist too seriously in this film. Um, and I think is ultimately played for, sort of silly comedic effect, at least to me, maybe, maybe I'm like out of pocket saying something like that, but I, I that's the sort of vibe I got from it. Over. No, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I mean, we can mention it at this point, right? The, the sure. twist I think we're referring to is that um, it turns out that, um, that Salim's mother, Rahila has mm -hmm. along with Salim in some, you know, capacity yeah. have been like scouting women um for Salim to partner with and they are looking for someone who, specifically whose genes will when they mate with with Salim basically create a second version of his mother like, I think well, I think it's actually even weirder than that I think they're actually going to implant a clone of Rahila into someone's into a woman's womb okay. and like what they were looking for was like womb viability or something weird like that yeah there's there's a weird yeah, scene yeah, yeah. where Rhea discovers like this lab and everything and there's they're like scrolling through all these women and it's like highlighting their uteruses and yeah, like yeah. giving statistics about each of them um again that's you know i give it a few points of inspiration there because i didn't see that coming sure. and yeah you know you're definitely not going to see that in a disney channel original movie right uh, to go against my earlier point yeah um, but you would see it in a netflix movie so yeah, yeah money but yeah to your point it doesn't go full cronenberg with this right like it, it is it is just a kind of campy you know it, it, it is more played for shock value which is why i can't really give it too many points right because it doesn't feel like again they're trying to do anything interesting with that it's just like it's oh, fun isn't it it's just weird fun. that this is happening yeah like and yeah. maybe you find it fun after the initial scott, surprise, scott rolled into the movie on monday night and is like i don't want to have fun tonight so i'm just gonna no, take everything way too seriously <laughs> no, that's kidding. not true at all uh <laughs> you know after the initial surprising shock of it sort of wore off i was just kind of like ho-hum i guess about it because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know they don't they don't go into it too much and then just again in the third act it just becomes sort of a, an action movie a heist movie and some, some it becomes regard. it becomes a bollywood movie in the third act frankly yeah not enough singing and dancing but i, I guess she did do the there dancing. quite literally was a huge singing yeah. and dancing there was the there was act. you're right but i would have i would have liked even more but um sure 
Scott, talking about the action there, mm-hmm. you know, it is martial arts inspired. It's also like Street Fighter inspired in a way, right? Like we have these action sequences where um, two characters will be fighting and we get like the big titles coming up on the screen. Like, you know, I love that. That, that style whatever. was cool. I, I thought that was really um, awesome. And then, yeah, the, it, they seem the fights seem to be happening in some sort of heightened reality, right? Where the uh, these characters are really being quite violent to each other. Um, you know, like there's one fight between Rhea and Lena where they are like punching each other. You know, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Punching her through doors and stuff. That was that was pretty wild. And yeah, the, and the first one we see is in the school with Rhea and one of the like bully character. Kovach. Um, they fight in like the library or something. And yeah, it's like kind of jarring how brutal it kind of is. She like um, grabs her and like slams her through like a glass case. Glass case. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did it work for you? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was super silly. Like, I, it just, like, felt, like going back to the energy comment that I was making a second ago, I was just sort of, like, guffawing at, like, how actually over the top they were kind of going with with some of those scenes. And I, I really appreciated the style of the film, like, the different chapters, uh, the chapter titles, the sort of the cards for the fights that, that they were having um, between different characters. I thought that was all in, all in good fun and all in good spirit with the film. So I, I would definitely give it some some bonus points and some extra extra credit for that. And it, it doesn't feel atonal with the rest of the movie to have these sort of like over the top violent scenes. I will say the one that sort of like raised my eyebrows is I'm like, I kind of get why the sort of bully character, the Kovach character is like she is significantly bigger than Rhea. So it kind of makes sense that she's able to just like sort of throw her around and stuff. The the scene with Lena though that you were describing, the one where she, they're like kicking each other through walls and stuff, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, and then and then they just like, you know, their mom calls from downstairs for them to stop it, and Lena just sort of yeah. walks off, and there's like wood wood panels falling off of the door or whatever. I'm like, what the hell? And no comment later about why the upstairs was destroyed. Um, you know, it, it, is that? maybe a little bit over the top kind of like i was saying some of the other elements of the film were earlier maybe but again it it sort of all matched the spirit it was silly i wasn't taking it too seriously maybe i'd have some notes for that lena fight but overall i enjoyed it and the final scene i think the payoff between the fight between Rhea and lena sort of the second fight i guess when she's able to do her i am the fury roundhouse flying kicker or whatever it was uh, you know, she'd been trying that enough enough different times over the course of the movie. You obviously know she's at some point going to accomplish this yes. this kick, but I think that it paid off well enough. Um, I, I appreciated that. The, the, sorry, it's a reverse spinning kick. I just looked at it. So uh, I'm an expert now, Scott. If you're curious, Is that a technical term. Yep. Uh, in the industry, in, in the business, we call it a reverse spin spinning kick. Yeah, but that's why I kind of say they take place in like a heightened reality because it almost seems like you know they're all they're like imagining that the fights are happening in this brutal way but um that's interesting but, thought uh, yeah. they don't do anything with that but that's an interesting no they idea. don't that, yeah. that that's not what the filmmakers intended i don't think that and this is the, the overall critique i think i'm swirling around right is i am here for like a you know a, a silly fun time whatever like i want to see something interesting from a filmmaking perspective and 
I just don't think this movie ever really got there. This like action type stuff was the closest it got. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it still didn't, it still didn't really do much for me. Like again, one sort of the initial novelty of it wore off. I was kind of sitting there asking some of the same questions that you were asking about, wait a second, like, is this really like brutal fight actually just happening in their house and the parents are just chilling and um, you know, this is just like a normal thing and nobody's really going to be that bothered by this. Um, what did you think of the lot. Eid Mubarak soiree, the party? Yeah, it, it was fine. Um, sure. Yeah. Did, did you, I mean, it like, reminded me, it reminded me a little bit of the, uh, I will say this, I, I, I guess it's a compliment because it's comparing to one of my favorite movies, but it reminded me of uh, when they go to the ball in Little Women, right? And it's like, oh, they're, they're looking for their suitors um, sure. early on in the movie when Megan Joe goes to the ball. It, um, it, ha- it has a, a very much a, a period vibe in that scene, mm-hmm. even though it obviously it's set in the present tense. I, I will say I appreciated that later on, they sort of turn that, turn the, the Eid scene on its head and show you a sort of like oh here's all the little clues and hints of how things tie together from that scene later on which is something i appreciated about the film yeah because i i will say that in the opening in that scene towards the beginning of the movie i was like not there is like the very obvious things to notice like the picture like that when they take the picture and they're walking through the garden like that's obviously a weird thing that they're doing and I was like, oh, that's strange. And then there was like other things that I was like, that's kind of weird. Throughout, throughout like that scene. And then later on, it's like, those are like all the things it's referencing later on. And I'm like, huh, okay, respect. I will say that one moment that I found like funny, I don't know if I was really supposed to, but at the wedding, mm-hmm. like Rhea just has a gun and she's just like firing. <laughs> that was into really the air. funny. Yeah, like, no, I think that's hundred percent. shots basically in the air, but like, and f- again, but like ten times. And everyone is kind of like you know some people are freaking out, but everyone is like not quite reacting as seriously as they should be probably when you have like yeah. Why are they 15, hanging around afterwards? Fifteen year old just ripping warning <laughs> shots in the middle of this crowded room, um, emptying a clip into the ceiling. That was certainly certainly a choice that was made, but. Um, I guess that was a moment that yeah. made, made me laugh. Scott, what else do we want to say about this film? Because I feel like I'm hitting my my quota of words on, on this movie. You know, we've talked about um, the action, which is one of the more inspired parts. We kind of got into the third act twist, which I think is also one of the big talking points from the movie. I just kind of think what you see is what you get with with this whole experience. Yeah, I did like the humor of the film. There were plenty of times I felt like I I was laughing. There was like there there is a certain British sensibility. Uh, obviously, the the film is set in London. I don't know if all these actors are all British. The director Nita Manzor is definitely British. Um, I just I sort of really enjoyed and appreciated the the Britishness of it all, and also the sort of the cultural fusion of it all, like the the sort of British Pakistani lean. Like I do think that there's something interesting in the family dynamics there do they explore to the fullest extent no they don't but i i I felt like the flavor the 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 film effectively captures a lot of different flavors which i found interesting to sample um is any one particular flavor a deeply rich experience maybe not but i do feel like it brings a lot of different flavors around whether it's action whether it's comedy whether it's these sort of familial relationships 
I do think there's a lot there and um yeah, I enjoyed the humor. I'll be I know you didn't vibe with it Scott, but the the British humor, the wry British humor and sort of the Bollywood elements of the movie. I thought they were all they sort of fused together to make a a hot pot of of fun things for me. See, I don't mind British humor like I know it seems like I like no humor, but like I you know, I there's plenty of British humor that I have enjoyed, but it just seemed very broad to me. It just seemed very broad. I think that's that's what it came down to. You know, you said something the other day, Scott, that was like, um, oh, I'm good with humor in movies. It just can't be the genre. And I was like, yeah, I feel like that's kind of my mentality sometimes. And, you know, maybe it wasn't fully the genre here. Like, we're, you know, I don't think anything is fully the genre here because it's blending so so many different types of movies so that's that's but, a, it's a good thing for you scott i don't you're not you're not explaining yourself very well here <laughs> no but i mean there is this this current of you know jokey jokey running throughout the entire movie um even when it's doing other things um and yeah maybe i'm maybe that's the best way to describe like why i always seem like i'm down on comedies and whatnot because I don't know, whenever it is the genre, so to speak. It's just, it's a vibes thing. It really is. It's just a vibes thing. The I vibes don't had good vibes. Slightly off for me. That's too I didn't bad. think it had, I don't think it had bad vibes. It just had, it had almost no vibes, actually, to, to be quite That's honest. a crazy thing to say about this movie that this had no there. vibes. The, this film is a ton of vibes. Maybe you didn't vibe with the vibes, but there were plenty of vibes there. Listeners, watch, decide for yourself. Tell us what team you're on with this one. Um, not, not that critics are my guiding light, Scott, but the critics are with me on this one. But again, how how many of those are are glowing reviews? Not that you're giving it a glowing review either, but you know, no, yeah, I don't. I I put increasingly less value on Rotten Tomato scores, and you know, that count three out of five as being a positive review. Um, which sure. I guess ma- mathematically it is, but it's still 60%. So, eh. Uh-huh. All right, I, Scott. I, I mean, I would agree with that general take. I also, for whatever reason, three out of five is not always counted as fresh, as, yeah. as a fresh review because they, it's arbitrary. Somebody, yeah. somebody, some editor over there reads the review and decides whether it's positive or not. I don't understand it. Sometimes even like a two, a 2.5 is considered a positive review. I don't understand like, that. Like, yeah, yeah, like that's, you're right, but also like, sometimes like they will they will do a fresh review of like a two and a half or three or whatever but then like the little blurb that you see of it is not positive at all and so it's like are they really how closely are they editing these things like i don't know it's rotten tomatoes speak talking about vibes rotten tomatoes gives off very weird vibes sometimes um well it's a it's a joint venture between the major media companies so maybe that's why you don't need to know what the overall critical mass thinks about a movie. You just need to know what two guys named Scott think about it. Um, it has a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes and an 83 audience score. So the vibes are you there. You know, I'm not surprised that it has a high audience score. It's it's a crowd pleaser. Okay. So, what, what, so, I'm curious so what are, part of it do you think is a crowd pleaser? So are the Halloween Town movies or the High School Musical movies? <laughs> sure. I think, we've, I think we've reached the end of the road on this one, but... Uh, What's your favorite scene or moment from the film, Scott? I I like the um there there's a sort of Mean Girls like a, a scene in the middle of this movie that evokes Mean Girls, and it 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 is I am convinced it is in on the joke of this 
because it just puts Salim's picture in the center of a chalkboard in the attic of one of their houses is what it looks like. And it's evoking the scene where um, Janice Ian is trying to convince Katie and um, Damien to take down Regina George and Mean Girls. And this sort of like dumbs the scene down and just has Salim and, and she's just writing one word on the chalkboard and, and like just talking about it, erasing different word on the chalkboard. I just found like stuff like that. So silly stuff like that. I just found so funny. Um, and that was a sort of good example of the, of the humor that, that worked for me. I think it's, it's sort of riffing on a lot of different, like this film is riffing on a lot of different bits and parts and, and maybe it's sort of too, like maybe, maybe that sort of broadness is something that, that didn't click with you, but it's sort of sampling lots of different, uh, um, you know, if, if this film is a, is a DJ, it's sampling a lot of different tracks and the sort of lighthearted, breezy way that it sort of rips through all those things was satisfying to me. And that's a that's a prime example of of the humor that worked. Yeah, I guess I'll go with the first fight that happens in the library there that we talked sure. about, just because I wasn't expecting that from the action, I guess, um, at that point in the movie. And it kind of surprised me. Um and, you know, again, the sort of the brutality of it was um, was something unique. So in a movie that didn't have a whole lot that I felt was super unique, um, you know, it did. It did have that going for it early on. So I will give it some points there. Scott, what do you give this movie out of 10? Seven. 4.8 for me. Just kind of a nothing burger. Like I said, um, I actually, I guess I'm rating it a little below a nothing burger, which would probably just be a five. But um, yeah, I'm taking off some points because the friend characters were so obnoxious to me. And um, Yeah, look, I guess I'm in the minority on this one. I hope everyone enjoys it. I wanted to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Just, just didn't have a pleasant time at the, at the movies. But there's always next week, Scott, except not because we're not doing an episode next week. But uh, There's always past X for you to watch, Scott. <sighs> anyway, Scott, we're going to take a short break. Maybe we'll talk about some movies after the break. Um, that we're actually excited for, unlike Fast X. At least I'm not excited for it. I don't think you are, but um, no. maybe you are. No. Okay. I didn't think so. But anyway, we are going to do some news when we get back and talk about a couple of projects that are in the works um, with Buzzy Cast. So stick around. We'll be right. <laughs> Welcome back to this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Scott, a couple of news items to hit before we conclude. I'll throw it to you first to tell us about the Under the Banner of Heaven reunion that everyone has been clamoring for in a new film. Yeah, sure. Andrew Garfield and Daisy Edgar-Jones are reuniting, not under the banner of heaven, but under the banner of Sebastian Lelio, who is the Oscar-winning director behind A Fantastic Woman, for a movie called Voyagers, which is a... I believe it's a biopic, which is the story of, I think, the real life romantic relationship between um, astronomer Carl Sagan and a documentary film director, Andrianne Dryan. I'm not sure how to pronounce her, her name, but they are reuniting 
I don't really know if there's like much to say about this. I'm not familiar with either Carl Sagan or Andrian in real life, but it's an acclaimed director working with two people that I think both, I mean, separate. I didn't see Watch Under the Banner of Heaven last year. You did, but at least separately, we're both huge fans of. I think Andrew Garfield's great. I think Daisy Edgar Jones is sort of, I, I just keep hoping that she's sort of Paul Meskels at some point in the next few months and just sort of pops off and starts booking a lot of work. But it's an exciting sort of combination. I think that it's an it's an interesting combination for her. I feel like we haven't we at least off mic we've been talking about how we feel like Daisy Edgar Jones just hasn't been hasn't found a project that really gets her into I guess into a, a film with the sort of caliber that we're hoping for. Obviously, last year where the Crawdad Sing was a huge movie in terms of box office success and especially with a certain demographic. But you and I. Talk about forgettable movies, Scott. I couldn't tell you. I could barely tell you anything that happened in that movie at this point. And it's not the kind of performance. She was the Marsh Girl, Scott. She was the Marsh Girl. I think I called her Swamp Girl the other day, so I even messed that up. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, frankly, Scott, the most memorable part of that movie is Harris, Harris Dickinson being atrociously terrible in the movie. Um, like, unforgettably bad in the film, and then managing to repair his sort of acting image with triangle of sadness at least for me later in the year but anyway daisy edgar jones andrew garfield sebastian lelio voyagers what do you think yeah i'm i'm in scott sebastian lelio also directed the film last year that i really liked called the wonder was with florence Pugh. That's that florence was Pugh uh, on movie. netflix yeah. um yeah i enjoyed that movie a lot haven't seen fantastic woman but obviously oscar winner um yeah, and I don't know that much about Carl Sagan either. He did write the book that was adapted into Contact, which yep. is a favorite film of mine uh, from the 90s, starring Jodie Foster, directed by Robert Zemeckis. So, um, you know, I don't know that that really means I will feel one way or the, the other more positively about this movie because it's not really about that. But um, it is being know, produced I, by the same person who, by Linda Opst, who produced contact as well and mm -hmm. i think and ryan who is daisy edgar jones's character um is also a producer on the film take that for what it's worth that's not necessarily a positive thing in my book when it comes to biopics that makes me a little bit more nervous than not to be honest but um uh, more more context there because the sort of it's interesting that i think the film producers of contact are also help, helping make this movie so i wonder if there's some sort of homage or or element in the film that's going to be evoking that a little bit i don't know yeah uh i i don't know but um anyway again it does give me a little more of a pos positive association with the the subject matter certainly so uh yeah i'm in i i you know think andrew garfield is a very talented actor he was the best part of under the banner of heaven for sure um daisy edgar jones obviously again like you said rooting for her because of normal people and um, you know, I have liked her and other stuff. I did like her in Where the Crawdad Sing. I did think she was fine and fresh um, and some other stuff that she's been in. But um, yeah, hoping for the best for her going forward. Scott, the movie that I wanted to talk about um, is a new film called Andorra that is in the works. This is described as a romantic thriller. Um, it's going to be directed by Giuseppe Capitondi, who directed... Here's a film for you, Scott. The Burnt Orange Heresy. Remember that one? I do remember um, that because Elizabeth Debicki was in that movie with Clice Bang. She was, yeah. We, I feel like we got real excited about that movie for like a week or two because it looked really good. And then it came out and it just 
it was nothing. It, it seemed like it. It was right before the pandemic didn't, when it came out. It was like literally a few weeks yeah, before the yeah. pandemic. Didn't have great reviews. It was kind of just a flop. I still haven't seen it, but um, but anyway, he's back with this new film. Um, it's going to be uh, uh, executive produced by James Ivory, of course, Oscar winning writer producer from the Merchant Ivory. Most famous of the Merchant Ivory films. One is Oscar for writing "Call Me by Your Name," but. Um, this movie is going to star Bobby Cannavale, Elizabeth Debicki, aforementioned, and Ruth Wilson. Um, like I said, it's going to be a romantic thriller. The plot is sort of desc- uh, described as such with um, Bobby Cannavale playing um, an American who moves to the country of Andorra after experiencing some sort of tragedy, but gets wrapped up um, you know, in some intrigue involving uh, some of the local residents there, including Elizabeth Debicki um, and including, of course, uh, Ruth Wilson as well. Um, and getting, like I said, embroiled in some sort of mystery and intrigue and, and murder eventually happens. It's described as a Kafka-esque tale of murder, love and deception. I always raise my eyebrow um, at uh, the, the phrase Kafka-esque. It just makes me think of the squid and the whale, of course. Um, of course i mean what else would it remind you of this is a pretty hilarious description actually by the director he says (laughs) like an ant on a mobius strip alexander that's cannavale's character finds himself in a loop that's almost impossible to escape (laughs) like an ant on a mobius strip all right man whatever but um yeah you know whoever wrote that was in their bag on that one interesting premise good cast Elizabeth Debicki, you know, uh, it's good to see her name popping back up. Obviously, you know, she did The Crown. She played Princess Diana. So that was kind of her life for a couple of years. Um, but we're starting to see her pop back up in projects. Of course, she's going to be in Maxine, the the Ty West. Um, so is Bobby film. Cannavale. He's going to be in in, Mac, in uh, Maxine. Yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Uh, but I'm a fan of his work as well. He's kind of, I think, an underrated character actor in a lot of stuff. He he worked with Tom McCarthy in a few of his movies. Um, I think um, he he like I said, he can be underrated. He's he's got a lot of charisma. Um, so uh, Bobby yeah, Cannavale is also going to be in the atrocious comedy or atrocious looking comedy with Robert De Niro called Inappropriate Behavior, oh, which I can yeah. which I can only assume is going to be some sort of corollary to Robert De Niro's real life where he just had his 27,000th child at the age of 79 or whatever. Yeah. Well, he also played dirty grandpa or whatever. Like I, I don't, oh, I don't sure, know yeah. about this genre of film, but it's whatever. real bad. I like he sort of like soft entered it with like a uh, meet the parents or whatever. And I feel like he's just like kind of leaned in every once in a while a little bit further, which is not for me, Clive. Yeah, um, I, I don't get really what's going on there either. But I'm excited about this movie. Interesting premise, interesting cast. Again, you have James Ivory involved, so you'd expect it to be sort of a handsome production, I guess. He is known for that. Um, so one to keep an eye on for sure. Scott, any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I also still just sort of every once in a while, honestly, think about watching The Burnt Orange Heresy because I'm a fan of both Elizabeth Debicki and Kleist Bang who right around the time that film was coming out was the star of the Dracula, like the BBC Dracula mini, like three part miniseries where they basically had three kind of, kind of like your short, like your Brit, your BBC Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and um, what's his face? Uh, Martin Freeman, where they had like basically just three, like 90 minute movies. It's like a season. 
They did that mm-hmm. for a Dracula adaptation with Kleist Bang that I was a fan of. So yeah, Giuseppe Capitandi and Elizabeth Debicki, why not? You know, am I racing out the door to see this? Probably not. But I'll, I would think that it, it is worth seeing and I'm, I would be excited to, to watch it in the theater. Also, randomly, I did a project in, on, on Andorra in like middle school. Yeah, we all have those projects of like yeah. just tell us some stuff about this country. Super random. Super, super random. I think I did Malta at some point in my educational career. Sounds um, right. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, Scott. Um, I think that should just about do it for this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Where can sure. our listeners find you on Twitter? At shelter 2013 And I am at Scarvydent. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you have and you'd like to support us, don't forget about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. Uh, even if you can't support us over there, however, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, do all the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. And we hope you will be back in two weeks for our next episode on which we will be reviewing the sure-to-be modern classic, The Little Mermaid, the latest of the Disney live-action remakes. Yeah, Scott's shaking his head, and I am too. Until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you under the sea, I guess.